0: That's
1: a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff, who goes for goal and scores. Finds the back of the net. all right What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal. From Thierry Henri. Medler. Lovely cushion header. For
0: oh, you're what a header!
1: What a head! The Ghost Goal Podcast. Tottenham's spursiness was Liverpool's gain as Hugo Lloris fumbled Mo Salah's header onto Toby Alderweireld's thigh and into his own net to gift Liverpool a 90th minute winner. Meanwhile, Chelsea salvaged a 90th minute winner of their own to profit off some horrific decisions by the referee and their 2-1 win at Cardiff. And finally, Manchester United managed another win at home over Watford after making all Gunner Solskjaer a permanent manager two weeks after last week's podcast was posted. Uh, so shout out to Manchester United. Thank you for uh, the, the solid timing uh, with our episode. Uh, we really appreciate it. Not. I'm Alex uh, here on the Ghost Goal podcast with Javier as usual. Andrew wanted to be here tonight to talk about the big uh, Liverpool win and the, the manner of which it happened. But uh, as some of you may not have heard or may or may not have heard, uh, he's uh, currently moving apartment and does not have internet yet. A pretty uh, pivotal resource to uh, the making of this podcast. So uh, we'll try to fill in for Andrew, but uh, there might such be such a shame.
0: He he <laughs> he got four predictions right. I mean,
1: he had a hell of a week in the predictions. Would, I'll give I know him he that. He would have
0: been. He would have been. He, I think that.
1: he tied me. He tied me for uh, for the most predictions correct in one week. And so I got, got four really right, this
0: season. which is yeah, depressing. You I thought yeah. which I was means like, no, oh, point I got, for I got you in the bag here.
1: this week, but. You Andrew one upped
0: me, tied it up in the score prediction table. I think Alex, you're like two back now.
1: I'm two back, yeah. So, so I've got, I've he, got some. He has, catch, he has a Champions
0: League prediction. That's what he's, that's what he's banking on now.
1: Exactly. That's, uh, that's my forte. I've picked the Champions League winner each of the two years we've been doing this podcast. It's not been so really difficult. He picks the Ronaldo team. It's just, it's it's just Real, yeah. It's just pick Ronaldo. He's going to win the Champions League. It's a pretty tried and true formula. Uh, so, <laughs> enough of that. Uh, I, actually, we can. Preview one more time. We will most likely be doing our Champions League quarterfinal preview uh, sometime, I'm guessing, around this weekend before they kick off next week. So uh, keep an eye out for that. I'm guessing Javier, Andrew, and myself are all going to be on there for that. So uh, looking forward to it. But let's get started with a couple of the recaps. Let's start with a pretty open and shut case at Craven Cottage. Manchester City beating Fulham 2 0. Goals from Bernardo Silva in the fifth minute and Sergio Aguero in the 27th minute. Putting Fulham to bed, uh, I did not wake up for this one. I, I probably should have because the two goals I ended up seeing, they were both they're both very nice. Uh, did you wake up and watch this one?
0: Yeah, I did. Um, I mean, Manchester City just completely dominated the game as you would expect. Um, and Fulham, uh, Floyd Aite, I think he's Florian. a youngster of there.
1: Florian Aite. And he's like, um, dude, I thought the same thing. And I think he's like twenty five.
0: He was pretty good. I don't know if he's a youngster, but he he's a he was pretty good of good player of theirs. He was like the only positive thing that Fulham really did. Um, other than that, Fulham were actually pretty good defensively. I mean, they kept it two 0 against City. Well, easy
1: there. They played well on this game. Then just say that. Yeah, <laughs> they've improved a little bit. Yeah, they, they're they, still losing. They
0: played all right, and they're still and to keep City to only two goals is is a decent result um, for them. You know, they're not going to get too disheartened. <clears throat> but for City's case, um, there was a lot of sloppiness, especially in the second half. Like, they went up two goals pretty early. And there was a good 70 minutes here where they—you would have thought they were going to add at least a couple more goals to that, you know? I mean, we especially just going that. up 2-0 so quickly. And you could see Pep was super frustrated in those 70 minutes, was constantly screaming at his team— Ended up taking Raheem Sterling off, um, taking Aguero off, like precautionary, I think, maybe because of an injury. and
1: They also have the midweek game this week. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. But it, it was it was maybe a little bit of a warning sign, just, you know, that this team is expected to go and, and, and score a couple more goals and to, to make this easy end. You know, there was once or twice that Fulham got forward. Not really f- troubled Ederson, but if they were able to get maybe like a, a random goal and they would have they would have gotten back into the game. They could have scared City. So I think he, they, he they he's gonna the want them to he's gonna want them to to put that third and fourth one past teams, especially when they start off, you know, so well. And and it's good to see a coach not be happy and just like sitting there when they're up two 0 Like he was screaming at his team like Every minute for that game, till the end, you know, not happy, and the players were were missing passes, misplacing, and Fulham. Obviously, just aren't good enough to to capitalize on it. But I think that a better team could definitely have caused City some problems if if they come into a pattern of falling asleep in in any period of games like they did in this one.
1: Something to keep an eye on for uh, City in their run in. Uh, They do have one more uh, top or two more top six games to play uh, home against Tottenham and at Manchester United. So uh, if they can come out looking a bit flat against Fulham, then. Who knows? Maybe it happens against those teams. I'm sure Liverpool fans will be hoping. Let's jump now to a couple of the 11 a.m. games as uh, Southampton got a somewhat surprising win, a 1-0 away against Brighton uh, with a goal in the 53rd minute from Pierre-Emile Hoiberg. A really big win in the uh, grand scheme of things when you come to consider the Cardiff result a little bit later, the team that they're uh, fighting with to stay in the Premier League. Uh, So a big win for Southampton. Uh, Next up, another... Slightly shocking result: Burnley getting their own uh, relegation boost with a 2-0 win against uh, Wolves at home. Oh, no. I, I don't think
0: it was that shocking. I think I may have uh, may have mentioned something
1: about that in the last pod. That's funny. Did you shocking predict it? Shocking to some people, Alex. Did you predict it?
0: Well, I said 2-1 uh, uh, Burnley win. I did predict the Burnley win. Oh, you
1: said Burnley win. Okay, yeah. I okay, did, okay. I'll give you I'll give you partial credit for that. Uh, the goals were a uh, Connor Cody own goal in the second minute and a Dwight McNeil. Uh, See, it pretty much goal. was two
0: one. There was you know there was a couple goals for Burnley.
1: What no, it was wasn't. Pretty one? much anything. It was two nil, and it wasn't two one. So, uh, let's move on to another two nil win in the Premier League uh, at. Uh, <laughs> Selhurst Park as Crystal Palace won 2-0 against Huddersfield. Andrew got the score prediction correct on this one. The first of many, as you will uh, come to hear. Uh, Luka Milvojevic scored in the 76th minute with a penalty won by Wilfred Zaha. And uh, Patrick Van Arnholt wrapped the game up in the 88th minute to make it 2-0. Leicester beat Bournemouth 2-0 also. Uh, Andrew, again, got this result correct. I'm sensing a theme here. Andrew picking 2-0s. It's uh, it's working for him. (laughs) Wes Morgan was back on the score sheet within the 11th minute, uh, this one, and uh, Jamie Vardy wrapped the game up himself in the 82nd minute. And then Saturday, in the last of the 11 a.m. games, Manchester United hosted Watford and won 2 one Andrew and Javier both got this score prediction correct, uh, making it 3-1 Andrew on the week so far through these uh, recaps. Marcus Rashford scored in the 28th minute. Anthony Martial managed to stay on side in the 78th minute to make it 2-0, and uh, Decore. Managed to make it a little nervy during extra time getting the uh, 2-1 goal in the 90th minute. As I mentioned in the uh, Open, Man United made Ole Gunnar Solskjaer permanent right at the end of that international break. Just as we were preparing our previews for the Premier League to return, I, I thought if they were going to make him permanent, it would be at like the beginning of the break. I, I was kind of surprised by the timing in that regard. But overall, I think the timing of it kind of makes sense because they're, they're kind of going through or they were going through their first bump in the season. Uh, where you know they lost to Wolves in the FA Cup uh, lost to Arsenal in the, in the league uh the, looking ahead their results looked, or their fixtures look difficult with still uh Chelsea and Man City and the, the two games in, against Barcelona to play it's going to be a difficult road for them i think it's better that they kind of get this out of the way now because i mean everyone after what solskjaer has accomplished everyone's kind of come to the consensus like yes he should be made permanent manager that like that's like he's earned that with uh, with what he's made and what he's salvaged of this uh, United season. And I, I agree with that. I don't agree with like the outcome of how it's going to end up going, but I agree that he's done enough to earn the permanent manager uh, role there. So get it done now while there's still a pretty good feeling about him. The rest of the season, they do need to make uh, Champions League. They do need to make it into the top four. But the rest of the season is somewhat of a wash in that you wouldn't be surprised to see them drop out of the top four or like, remain out of the top four. You would kind of still be pretty optimistic, don't you think, uh, if they ended the season in fifth, everyone playing well, and everyone's still kind of buying into Ole or Solskjaer, at least in terms of their performances, right? Or do you think that if he doesn't make top four, that he should be considered to be sacked?
0: No, I think uh, just what he's done already is is enough to give him give him at least a transfers, one transfer kitty for the summer, and, and see what he can do next season. Um, I don't think he's. So doesn't
1: that kind of make the rest of the season kind of like pressure free? Obviously, it's not. They need to make top four, but he's not going to get sacked over what happens the rest of the season. He's already done what he needed to do. Sure,
0: and I don't. I think that the pressure already happened. I think like up till this point to be where they are. Um, and I think like it's it's good. I think the whole team will just get behind the the coach, like you just said. And and it's results like this where they were outplayed the all ninety minutes. There was not one minute in this game where Manchester United were well, on they the wanted top. that.
1: They wanted that to a degree, no, didn't they? No, I've never seen a team at home. I don't know. They seem they seemed pretty content to they try looked, and catch water on the counter. This is the, the most Jose
0: Jose Mourinho performance I've ever seen. An shower team play, and it seems like they're like reverting more and more into this type of style, of like purely I mean, a counterattacking yeah. style.
1: Unless I can, I can point to a lot of performances where it's worked for them. They did that to us at Stanford Bridge. Uh, they did it to. They're just playing uh, PSG. Ball.
0: They're just playing it yeah. like correctly now. It's like I'm sure Mourinho's just raging inside right now, thinking like. I made those players like I taught all those guys how to do that. Like Oli Gunnar Solskjaer no, you is getting all the credit right now. <laughs> you know, he's just raging right now about that, thinking uh, it's just it must be like like they just they didn't do anything all game except for counterattack. They looked horrifying, like sorry, terrifying on the counterattack. And they got both goals just by their counterattacking on speed. Just Watford committed a bunch of players up the field were attacking, attacking, attacking. De Gea made a bunch of saves this game. I mean, they're both of their center backs. Uh, Smalling and Jones were both playing really, really well. Shaw was excellent. He had that really, uh, really nice pass to Rashford for the first goal and was just an all around, you know, defensive workhorse that whole first half. And then in the second half, like United fell back more into their shell and, and, you know they had the lead for a while, or they had the lead the whole time. You know, they, Watford only got the goal in the 90th minute, so it felt like they were even comfortable. They were comfortable at one nil, and I don't know. It just felt like a Jose Mourinho team, and it feels okay. like— It
1: wasn't. It wasn't comfortable before they got the two nil. That that whole second half. Watford were definitely like, as they would say in England, in the ascendancy. <laughs> they would say like, Watford was creating the chances. Like midway through the uh, like throughout the first half, it was like a fairly even game with United just sort of edging it with that counter attack, and which was you know like you said, a great play from Sean, good job by Rashford to get on the end of it. But I, I kind of I, I kind of understand Solskjaer's thinking in this because. Uh, what little space Delaffeiu did manage to get, he was pretty scary. Uh, okay, but like, like Pogba what, didn't like do anything in
0: this game. He just didn't get the ball. Yeah, Pogba was Pogba was a Pogba ghost in the entire game. So like, if you're gonna play this style, you need to sell well, Paul teams Pogba. teams are
1: really starting to man mark him a lot. Yeah, you more need now, to sell which, Paul you know, Pogba well, because like what like what come on no. get the hell no, out of here. No, if you're gonna play
0: that style, then you can't use him. I mean, they weren't using that style earlier in in this run. Maybe it's because they were playing worse teams and they thought they could just. Play more expansive attacking style, but now like that they're playing better teams. They're just reverting more back to that. So again, well, what I was
1: what I was trying to say was that like because of some of Watford's like quick players that could themselves uh, feast off of counterattacks, United kind of flipped the switch on them and said, "Okay, you have the ball, we're just we're just as comfortable without the ball, even at home. We've got Rashford and Martial up top with their pace and ability to just c- combine just one another. He's
0: not even that good, like." The-
1: no, I mean, I agree, Everton. but like he, we, we, he, has, he has his he's days. been on Watford, a he has while. his days.
0: Like we, 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 he's, he's a known product in the league. Like, yeah, he's sometimes he can be tricky. Like you said, he hey has man, his days. man, he scored
1: a hat trick more recently than any Arsenal player has. Ooh, Come on. Uh, you got to respect right about that. Yeah, he definitely has. He scored against Cardiff a couple weeks ago. Uh, all right. Um, yeah, I'll allow it. But that, that's enough of United Watford. I just wanted to hit on that mainly for the uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer news that we were. Uh, denied of being able to talk about last week. So real quick, the last game on Saturday, West Ham lost 2-0 at home to Everton. Uh, Early goals from Kurt Zuma in the fifth minute and uh, Bernard in the 33rd minute put the game to bed to Everton. I didn't get a chance to watch this one. I was excited to watch it, but I was on my way over to your place to uh, hang out and play some FIFA and then wake up and watch Sunday's games, which we will get to right now. Because I think the meat of the... Uh, narrative for this week comes from cardiff firstly hosting chelsea on sunday morning 9 a.m uh andrew got this result correct uh, chelsea won two one and um let's just say i'm not i'm not proud of this win i will not uh gloat i did fist pump i did celebrate the winner because when you play like absolute garbage like chelsea did for uh the ninety minutes of the game. I would have been embarrassed if I was you
0: to be honest. I wouldn't have celebrated.
1: I like I would have. been oh, we, we've, we've had a we've had a lot embarrassed. more embarrassed. We've had a lot more embarrassing uh, performances this season. Javier, trust me that that they just feels you guys like the whole game. Like
0: you didn't. deserve didn't anything us. You, from that game.
1: They didn't. They didn't outplay yes, us. They did. Uh, you did
0: not deserve anything no, 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 from we, that like, game. like
1: we controlled the game. They could score How their one you chance. They had. The game? And then the reason the reason it was so uh, – we felt, we felt so lucky is because we had four, five decisions go our way and big decisions, not just the goal, not just the equalizer. Also the red card there that was, they didn't
0: give you guys. That was a clear the, red card. Yeah,
1: I mean Rudiger could have been given a yellow or probably should have been given a yellow two different times, one for a shirt pull on – I think it was Sean Morrison in the box that probably should have been a penalty that the ref just straight up didn't see. And then another on, uh, I think it was Camarasa, whoever the striker was that was getting onto that ball first when it was played in behind. It's clumsy. He didn't mean it. But you have to be consistent there. Uh, Rudiger is trying to get to the other side of him, and he clips his leg and brings him down. And I'm, I'm pretty certain that uh, the Cardiff City striker was going to get there before Kepa did. So it's a red card. It has to be a red card. And um, I mean – even with the yellow card he get did get, he he didn't have a yellow card for the the terrible penalty that wasn't uh, given earlier in the game. So he probably should have been sent off for that too. But the the, the earlier yellow card hadn't been given. So I mean, that that's one phase where we're, we're super super lucky. And then obviously we can go right to the the equalizer. Aspicuaitz's equalizer. It's there's like a full body in between the last man and outside. It's more standing than a It's like. It's yeah. No, I'm just saying. Like, if you put a player, if you put a player standing oh, between God, in the space between that a, Cardiff's li- line that and Ashley a player could fit there. Dude, they claimed that it was because Willian was standing in the way of the linesman because he had just taken the corner. Oh, but there's, and was also, there's also there's also like a referee. How on do the you field. how do you not see around Willian? Like, how do you not see around it? Well, the, I mean, I'm saying the linesman is the main one has the best angle to see that. If the linesman can't see it and give it, then not being given like the ref's not calling that he's going to look to his linesman and have the linesman judge it so it's unlucky for Cardiff it all but relegates them because uh while they do have a game in hand on uh, Burnley who I believe are five points out of them right now that game in hand is actually against uh Man City this midweek so they effectively don't have a game in hand uh the the huge game for both teams is going to be coming uh, in two weeks or a week and a half, I believe, when uh, Burnley and Cardiff will meet in the Premier League. So um, still a slither of hope for Cardiff. Uh, And I think Burnley do have a difficult schedule after that game with Cardiff. So uh, maybe they still have some kind of hope, but three points here against the top six side at home in a game that I'm guessing every Cardiff fan would have expected them to uh, not get any points from. It's it's got to be heartbreaking. I actually I actually liked uh, Neil Warnock's reaction to it. Did you see the, the the video or the reaction of him walking to the center circle? He stood there right in front of the three or four referees after the game, and he stood there with his hands on his on his hips and then on his head a little bit, and he would clap the fans every now and then, and he would just shake his head at them. Because you know we've just seen Park get like a three-game touchline ban for going after Mike Dean a couple weeks ago, and Warnock—I mean, he, he would—he would have been completely—it uh, would be completely fair for him to just go completely apeshit, screaming profanities at the referees. Like I, I would have understood that because you basically just doomed uh, Cardiff's season. But uh, I mean, it's football, isn't it? Uh, what was your what was your reaction uh, to this? From
0: I mean. Yeah, like you said, it's just pretty much all but relegates Cardiff. It's just soul breaking for the players and and what like Warnock said. It, I mean, the most you just feel for the fans and for the players because I don't know Cardiff have been brilliant this season for the amount of money they spent for you know not knowing almost any players on that squad. I mean, you every every game you look at the team sheet and you think there's no way they're gonna win and there's they've gotten so many big results this year and put up so many performances that.
1: Yeah, they just beat West Ham three nil at home a couple I mean, weeks
0: ago. It's, it's it's kind of sad that there's been a couple things. To, this isn't the first time that like they've had some bad. Definitely in the Arsenal game, like there was. I remember there being a couple decisions that went you know against them that was rough, and I'm sure it happened a few other times this season where they've had some things go against them, and and it feels like if VAR was around, you know, maybe they'd be you know have three five more points, and and they'd be right right in there with the other teams, but. That's uh that's that's it's really unfortunate we weren't able to get it through this year and and you know if somehow it doesn't make it through next year it will be an absolute catastrophe. So can't come yeah, So soon I want to talk can't come I, want, soon I just want to talk
1: about Chelsea real real quick before we move on to the Liverpool Tottenham game. I, I mean there's a lot to talk about in terms of like how bad Chelsea were, but I do think it's important to mention that uh sorry didn't start either of Eden Hazard or Ngolo Kanté which he blamed on uh resting them after the international break claiming or saying that Ngolo has played 50 club matches and Eden has played 47 already this season they've played too much i just don't i don't get how you can't play one of those players like and then if 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 they're still tired going into the next game then play the other one start the other one for the Brighton game at home this week i this team cannot function in the Premier League with both Eden Hazard and N'Golo Kante out. I get it. We won the game. We got super lucky. But that performance is about as it was about as uh, valuable to me as the 2-0 Everton loss we took before the international break. It was a terrible performance. We didn't deserve anything. We didn't deserve a draw. You know. I mean, Say what you want about Cardiff and the number of chances they created. It wasn't a ton. It was a lot of half chances. But they took one of their half chances, and it was an excellent goal. We needed an offside goal and uh, a set piece in the 90th minute to get two goals away from home against arguably one of the three worst sides in the league. It's, it's uh, Higuain was an absolute ghost again when, especially with Hazard not playing and uh, and not well not coming on for the last like. Are you finally or 30 like minutes. convinced
0: on him? You can't score against He's Cardiff. I mean, you can't score against Everton. I
1: mean, I- I'm convinced that it was it was pretty much fair to not expect Higuain to adjust to the league with this little time. You know, there was no time for him to come in.
0: I mean, he's been here like three months now. Two? No, since January.
1: Well, all of February and all all of February and all of uh, March. I mean, I don't know. First of April.
0: It feels like,
1: uh... but and, and all of these games have been huge too, and I mean. There's been more bad ones than there have been good. That's all I'll say, Um, which is it's not unexpected, but you'd hope it would like it would have evened out a bit more. You'd hope he would pop up in this game in the and I said I, I wanted him to pop up in the games against the worst teams. Burnley at home later on is going to be one of those. Cardiff away this one was absolutely one of those and he was an absolute ghost and the service to him was non-existent so hopefully it's better against Brighton at this point I, I, I don't even uh, maybe I shouldn't even care about the performances maybe I should only pay attention to the results because right now we're, we're playing terribly anyway it's, I mean, we, maybe we should just arsenal it play badly and win games that's maybe what we should do I'd be more happy if I was you right now than I, than I am with Chelsea's performances so uh, I mean,
0: yeah I don't think you guys are making top four so I think you're, it's time to go to
1: Europa well, I mean, until it's mathematically impossible, I would probably say keep going. For the oh, no, you can league.
0: still keep going. But uh, I just think that your better chance now is going to be Europa League because I think that Tottenham and Arsenal have better chances of making top four than you.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, based off the strength of schedule, that's uh, that's entirely fair. We have away trips to United and Liverpool still to come. So let's move on to the Liverpool-Tottenham game. Uh, that was at 11 a.m. on Sunday. Liverpool won 2-1 in the 90th minute. Uh Javier, you got this prediction correct. Roberto Firmino opened the scoring in the 16th minute uh, from a beautiful Andy Robertson cross, probably one of my favorite crosses of the year so far. Uh, Lucas Moura equalized in the 70th minute after a uh, controversial uh, early free kick that Harry Kane took uh, when a lot of people think the ball was still moving in the build-up to that one. Uh, and then the big talking point of the match came right at the death as a looping ball into the back post, was headed straight at Loris by uh, Mohamed Salah, and Hugo Loris. He, you just had to say it. He just he spurs it up. He he, he made another mistake. He's he's done it plenty of times uh, to date. I can think of multiple times he's done it against Chelsea. Never mind, in general, uh, and he fumbled the shot, put it on to Toby Alderweireld, and Alderweireld had it deflected into the goal to gift Liverpool the much-needed win, uh, and. It feels awfully similar to that uh, Everson game at Anfield earlier in the season where, uh, to some degree, you could say that Liverpool were kind of being outplayed in the second half. They were not exactly the team that was uh, really pushing for the winner. Tot- Tottenham had just as many uh, chances to win this game as Liverpool did. Uh, Liverpool just managed to take advantage of their opponent's mistake, I guess. So... Um, a lot of similarities here. I, I'm sure Liverpool fans won't give a rat's ass. Uh, they, they're, they're probably all thinking, this is it. Everything's going our way. We're going to win the league. Do you blame them?
0: It does kind of feel like everything's going their way. But at the same time, this Manchester City team is just so, so good. And like, no matter what happens this year, I mean, these are two fantastic teams that would be deserved champions. But it just feels like... No matter what Liverpool do this year, they're going to end up just a tad bit behind Manchester City. Not really by any fault of their own, more so just Manchester City's absolute incredible excellence. And I mean, they've already shown they could do it last year. They're probably going to be slightly, you know, below that benchmark that they hit last year. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be a year that I think that you know Liverpool would have probably won the title in something like eighteen or you know 17 of the last 22 years or whatever that the premier league's been around but it's this is going to be one of those years where they're going to fall just 1 point short or something of of, of you know when they have 91 or 90 points or something and and
1: yeah it's very rare that uh there's a title challenge as uh, tight as this where both teams are playing so well yeah it's usually from like both teams are kind of slipping up everyone keeps fumbling up the opportunity and and that's how we come down to the last like five to ten games of it being within two or three points uh not the case this year we've got two excellent teams at the absolute peak of their powers and like you said it's going to be an absolute tragedy for whichever team it is that uh doesn't win the win the title so but in this game okay i kind of understand this but at the same time it is very comical to me i've seen a lot of spurs fans and uh rizzio pochettino himself uh, play off the game as okay. That was a good performance. As long as we continue those performances, we will finish top four. So I understand that sentiment, but at the same time, it's just so, it's just so spursy, isn't it? To to take an absolutely horrific uh, uh, situation and turn it into somewhat of a positive of oh, we didn't get destroyed at Anfield. Isn't that good? Isn't that great, guys? I mean. It's uh, one part of me is thinking I understand, and the other the other part of me is thinking that's why you'll never win anything because you're not absolutely distraught by losing a game like that. Because uh, I mean, uh, with the game at one one, dude, the game at one one, Sissoko is in on goal or in at uh, Virgil Van Dijk. Virgil Van Dijk does play it perfectly as the defender, but Sissoko has he's got to somehow, whether it's making the pass to Son earlier or taking the chance himself, he's got to make it two one Tottenham there. And from then on, like, you'd think the pressure around that ground would just, like, bring Liverpool down and they wouldn't be able to get back into it themselves. But instead, Sissoko skies it, as we know he probably would anyway. As a counter to that. Liverpool come down and get the winner. As a
0: counter to that, uh, earlier in the game, Mohamed Salah and Mane had that breakaway 2v1 and... I was sitting there like, please pass it to Mane, pass it to Mane, like, and you were like, no way, he's passing it to Mane, and of course he goes in. And <laughs> that wasn't as clear. It.
1: That wasn't as clear.
0: But no, but like that was almost as clear. It that was wasn't as two clear of a goal. There players, were three like, Tottenham
1: players back. There were three Tottenham players back defending that, and there was one Liverpool defender back, and it, it was for Van Dijk, who's the best defender in the league. But still, that's there's it's a it's a higher percentage chance for Tottenham at the end there than it was for the but, but Salah Mane attack earlier.
0: I think detrimental to his team in, in, in gets, the big moment. the again. winner, though.
1: He didn't get Dude, the winner. Dude,
0: we're okay. Dude, he basically did. He basically did.
1: Okay, here, here's what I'll say. My, my thing about Salah—
0: Straight at the keeper.
1: Okay, I feel kind of vindicated by Salah to the degree that we've been saying he's not been playing badly. He just hasn't been scoring goals or directly contributing to them. But he's still active and he's still involved. He's still getting opportunities. And because he's still shown that willingness to plug, plug, plug away and keep getting in good positions and try to get on the end of something and see if he gets lucky, he got lucky in one of the biggest games during the run into the end of the season. And I'm sure he would have rather taken the goal from the direct shot and just had headed it in and had the winner himself. He that would be legendary, but it didn't work out that way. And they got the win anyway. And I'm I'm sure he will take that. Like that's I mean I, I thought that was a positive for Salah. He did get lucky. But you make your own luck when you're when you're a goal scorer. You have to get into really dangerous positions and you have to get a little bit lucky every now and then. So um, credit to him. So Liverpool go back top of the Premier League. Uh, Manchester City will play Cardiff at home in midweek in their game in hand to have a chance of going back top themselves. Uh, but let's move on to Arsenal's 2-0 win earlier today against Newcastle. Uh, Javier, you got this prediction right. Aaron Ramsey opened the scoring. Opened the scoring twice, actually. Uh, The the first goal was uh, not given for a uh, pull on the defender's shirt by Socrates. Debate that all you like. But he eventually opened the scoring in the 30th minute with a nice left-footed finish before Alexander Lacazette wrapped up the three points for Arsenal to go to third in the league table in the 83rd minute. I did not watch this one. I had a pretty hectic day at work. I caught the goals and that questionable uh, decision by the referee earlier in the first half. Um, Javier, I'm sure you're you're ready to gush all about Arsenal's performance You managed to mock the dead and get away with it, Javier Congrats, you overcome the the Yeah, afterlife. I mean, I
0: knew I I knew I would, it was Newcastle at home, you know, we always beat them They had that one time that they beat us uh, with Andy Carroll a few years back, but other than that, you know, we, we always, always beat Newcastle at home, they're like Everton, Fulham, there's just a few teams that we absolutely love playing at home that it's 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 3 points in the bank. But yeah, no, this was uh this was very very easy game for us. Um there was never I mean, other than the first 30 minutes where, you know, Newcastle were were just sitting back and defending defending defending. As soon as we got the first goal, Newcastle had to open up a little bit and try and get forward and every time they got forward, they just they didn't create anything. So that gave our players more confidence and we were able just open them up more and more. And then in the second half, it was inevitable we were going to get the second goal. Um, it always felt like the second one was coming. And it took a little bit longer than we wanted. Um, but as soon as Man came in off the bench, it it really... it I mean, it's, you knew that the second one was coming. It was either coming from him or Lacazette. And, and it was fitting that he got the assist to him. And, and those two, two, when they're on the pitch together, they're just absolutely lethal. They have a great chemistry. And... I think it's why in this run in against these next 7 games against these you know mid-table teams even if there are a lot of them are away I still think if Lacazette and Aubameyang play we're going to beat those teams. I just think it's almost impossible for teams that have like you know maybe some like decent compact defenses that can against usually against some big big teams they they're able to defend against one striker and maybe like a couple wingers but I think it's a little bit rare that a team has just two, you know, very very good strikers that can play together and threaten and and do this, you know, do the same types of runs that a striker would do and not really hinder each other. And right, I, I think it's it's, it's, it's I something kind counter-
1: of rare. The, the, both of them are very mobile. It's not just—it's not like the typical strike partnership of one big guy and one little guy, thunder and lightning. One guy wins the ball and knocks it down for the little guy who runs onto it and scores, or the little guy puts the ball in the air and the big guy finishes at the back post. It's two players who you could say are in some ways similar and in some ways very different. But uh, you, you'd think they might get in each other's way a little bit, but they've turned out to be best friends in a solid strike partnership. Now you guys just need the consistent link between them in midfield. I, I
0: think it was also and really maybe, big this game. Like we didn't have Torreira. He he was he went to China over the break and had to like so we were to rest him, you know, in a in a big game where he would have had to play if he if he wasn't suspended for this game. So
1: are you guys resting him when you played on Monday night? No, no, we didn't rest
0: him. He was suspended. Oh, you didn't. oh okay. so we oh, we were okay, forced okay. To, to rest him, but I think it's a really good thing that we were able to do that. And now, like, going into this run in, he'll he'll hopefully be fresher than if he'd had to play a, you know, a big game right now. So I'm 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 happy about that. We had, you know, Elneny. Shaka was also injured uh over the break. You know, he had two grueling internationals. Um, I think a three three draw and uh I think they had a three or four nil win as well, but um Go on, Yeah. Sw- Switzerland <laughs> played uh played, you know, two really tough matches and, and again, like we a lot of the players were gassed from their internationals and I thought there might be a little bit of a hangover, but yeah, no. I'm glad that a bunch of the players who played were just you know, players who went to Dubai who were training with the team. You know, Elneny, Gwendozi, uh, you know, guys like that that Yeah, we
1: saw we saw sorry try to do the same thing with Chelsea where He said he started a lot of those players because they had been with him over the international break, and we completely shit the bed. So for you guys to basically uh, attempt the same thing and not really uh, have any kind of hiccup against arguably a better team than Cardiff, it's impressive for sure. Um, Just for it to be such a uh, foregone conclusion, basically. Like you said, Newcastle barely threatened. Uh, So – uh, that, that's it for the recaps. we got a couple of midweek games to discuss and give our picks on. Uh, first off, tomorrow or today, we, you'll probably be listening uh, on Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, today, Tuesday, Watford will host Fulham at 2.45pm. Andrew's got a 3-0 win for Watford. I've got a 4-2 win for Watford. And Javier had a 3-1 Watford. Wolves will host Manchester United in the second of two games on Tuesday, also at 2.45pm. A repeat of the FA Cup uh, loss that Manchester United suffered a few weeks ago uh, in the same venue against the same team, losing 2-0. Andrew's got a 2-2 draw for them. I'm going to say 1-1. Javier, how do you see this one going?
0: Yeah, 1-1, Like that's kind of what I initially was thinking as well. <sighs> but I am... A, I am... A little bit concerned that Wolves just lost 2-0 to Burnley. And I know that they're at home and they do play to the level of their opposition. So I should be like wary of of that, that you know that they're probably going to be a lot better in this game than they were in the last one.
1: They struggle against hoofball teams, Javier. And United, as we just discussed, are now a hoofball That's team. That's what again.
0: I was going to say. And then, <laughs> but at the same time, I feel like United's style is is, of the top six teams... It's like the one that maybe Wolves would struggle with. So, I don't know.
1: I mean, and and and. What's your explanation for the loss a few weeks ago? Then
0: it was the FA Cup. I I know that United played a strong lineup. They did. In that. Come they on. did. United wanted to they win did. that. But Wolves definitely feel. got have this feeling that they could win the FA Cup this year, and I think that's like a reasonable goal for them. And I think that would be a very very like an an excellent oh, right. season for them.
1: This is this is important to consider. The Wolves are playing in the FA Cup semifinal this weekend. They have a semifinal with Watford, so uh, I mean it's a little confusing because this past weekend they did rest the likes of Matt Doherty, Raul Jimenez, a couple other of their uh, start, or usual starting set of players. It wasn't a weak team against Burnley, but there were a few names in there that you would usually see. Maybe that was anticip- in anticipation of this United game, and then the weekend game, uh, the following weekend game uh, against Watford in the FA Cup. So, um, yeah, maybe that's a little bit to to blame for the the, the, the blip in the schedule or the blip in their uh, results for, uh, for for Wolves. But I, I think they're able to have a similar performance in terms of uh, like effort level and and work rate from from the most of the team. Uh, that you saw against uh, United in the FA Cup. And I think they get a 1-1 draw instead, which e- everything considered is a pretty good result for Wolves uh, and a pretty damning one for United because United are uh, as difficult as a game uh, as this looks. You got to win it. Just same same with, uh, same yeah, with Arsenal they when they go it. there in I a have, few weeks. I
0: have 2-1. I have 2-1 United. I think that this, just like Arsenal, I think Arsenal will beat Wolves away. I think United... Will just get that, just get the job done, and I don't think Wolves are going to be the team that finishes seventh this year. I think that they're going to go for that FA Cup, Um, and I think my prediction for seventh spot is going to actually be Leicester. Just after I looked at all the schedules and you know who who just also like what I think the ceiling of the teams are, I think like Brendan Rogers still has so much, obviously you can do with the Leicester side. And I think they'll just improve as the season, you know, toward the end of the season, they have a pretty easy run. So I think that this Wolves team falls off a little bit in the league, just maybe doesn't go all out if they try and win this FA cup, um, especially if they get a favorable result against Watford. So yeah, uh, I have a two one United win. And like I said, that's because of, you know, I think they match up pretty well against Wolves and I think they're going to learn from the mistakes of a few weeks ago, just like we learned an incredible amount between our FA Cup loss to them at the Emirates and then beating them uh, by the same scoreline at the Emirates. You know, three weeks later, everyone was pointing saying, hey, they just beat you there. Like, why are you more afraid of them? And because we had a manager who is very analytical and and sat down and and you could tell that a lot of the players didn't commit the same mistakes. We also didn't have, Jacques and Mustafi, uh, playing. But that's neither here nor there. And uh, I think that the United. Yeah, good. Javi. That's good.
1: You've managed to keep it to one outside of uh, the, the the Newcastle game uh, mention of Arsenal in this podcast. You know, this is. I think I mentioned them earlier. This is the first time you've brought them up when it's not really necessary that you do. So good job. Good job, Javier. You've managed to uh, to keep yourself under control. Um, (laughs) Let's jump to the Wednesday games. Wednesday, there's three games going on, all involving top six sides, all uh, varying levels of difficulty, all at home, Chelsea, Manchester City, and Tottenham. Let's start with Chelsea hosting Brighton. Wednesday at 2.45 p.m. Andrew's got a 2-1 win for Chelsea. I'm saying 1-0, and Javier, you're going 2-0. So we all think Chelsea are going to win. My question is, why do any of us trust Chelsea against anyone nowadays? I- I'm asking you. I'm the Chelsea fan. I'm supposed to pick us to win. I'm supposed to keep believing it's in this.
0: Brighton at home. like Everyone's going to win that game. They haven't gotten a point yeah. at a top-six side away in... God remembers how long. Definitely not this season. And
1: I can't think of any time in the two years they've been in the Premier League that they've won at against against the top six side away from home.
0: Yeah. I can't even think yeah. of when they they've gotten the get point. spanked. And also just offensively in the last three or four games, they've been pretty dire. Don't really remember them scoring that many goals recently. So they just lost at home to Southampton. I, I don't know. I, I think that they're... Just going to be squeaking over that line um, and their players are probably thinking they need probably three more points to be safe. So they're probably not going to think that they need to get them here at Chelsea. But I mean, I'm sure they'll give it their all. They'll try and keep it close defensively and it might take you guys to the second half to break them down. But
1: Right. That's why I have 1-0. Yeah. I just see it being like either a set piece or just a fumble in the box or a moment of magic. But we're not able to do it more than once, and if we are, we eventually. Uh, I think Eibarian scores in this game. Wasted. I don't like it. I, I mean, I think he will again. This is e- I didn't e- mention e- it earlier. These are the kinds of games he needs to score in. I mean, he needed to score in that Cardiff game, and he was as I also Ruben lost
0: the Sheik should definitely start.
1: But yeah, one hundred percent. Been saying it for a while now. He's by far the best goal scoring threat we have for a midfield, and it's not it's not a question. There's you can people can say Ross Barkley's been playing well for England. That's that's for England. Against uh who do they play in the euros, Moldova and the Czech Republic, you know, come on, like this is a very different system with very different standards from uh from what we require of that position. and Loftus cheek hasn't looked bad whenever he's played. The problem is he's had a nagging back injury that he suffered in January, it took him a few weeks to come back from. And since then, he's gotten like 20 to 30 minutes at the end of games, but he's never quite have, had the fitness to play like 90 minutes, uh, or sorry, believes at least he doesn't have the fitness to play 90 minutes in the Premier League quite yet. So we'll see if Wednesday's his chance to do that. I have I have no doubt that if you uh, see him, uh, Eden Hazard, Giroux, no, nah, maybe not Giroux, I would almost prefer Giroux for a game like this, dude, because I feel like Iguain might get eaten up by Shane Duffy. You know, like as weird as that sentence would have sounded like a year or two ago, <laughs> I feel like it could happen where Duffy and Dunk just have a, a game like Sean Morrison did for Cardiff, and just manage to play out of their skins and and keep him quiet. Giroud is gonna he's gonna put a bit more pressure on. Yeah, you but sorry, sorry, feels
0: like the manager that you know he lives and dies by his. Uh by his sword, so Iguain is definitely his sword this season. It, he's shown time and time again he doesn't trust Giroud at all, so I... Yeah, no, I don't
1: I don't expect sorry to uh, bench Higuain. I'm just saying what I personally would like to see oh, from of this of course, game. I would We're do all, the same. I would play played Olivier
0: Giroud against Cardiff, too. I mean, he destroys yeah. teams like that. Like, also, Iguain hasn't been scoring recently. It just made sense to start Giroud and... It's sad because and also
1: he, he's he's have we mentioned this before? He hasn't gotten play,
0: not nearly enough play this year.
1: Yeah, have have we mentioned this before? I, I've heard it a lot, and I've always thought it, but I don't feel like we've mentioned it enough. Attacking players love playing with Olivier Giroud. You're you're base. It's like playing with your wall that you kicked the ball off of when you were a kid. You just get it to him, and he gives it back to you right away, and you take another touch, and you make a run off of it. It's he, he's the kind of forward that everyone would love to play with because he's unselfish and he just does he just does the right thing. He'll miss a few frustrating chances, but uh, he does all the other things really, really well. So um won't expect to see him uh, start on Wednesday, but would love to anyway. Uh, Cardiff will go to Manchester City to try and bounce back from the first nightmare of this season or one of the first nightmares of this season. Uh, they'll follow that up with uh, Manchester City away is – Not the way you want to bounce back from having the game uh, stripped away from you. Uh, I'm going 4-0 Manchester City. I I think Cardiff are – I would be very impressed if they kept it within a goal like Andrew has it. But I think just the the absolute soul-crushing nature in which they lost that game to Chelsea, the game that people already thought it was kind of a doubt that they'd be able to get anything out of, for them to have this absolute juggernaut – Playing at the peak of their powers, right after that, especially away from home, I, I don't, need, I don't see a chance. Uh, Andrew's got two one Manchester City. I think that's outrageous. Sean I Morrison you know. so would
0: have to have like the game of his life. Uh, yeah, I but think it's he's pretty old, and too, he
1: but... just played on Sunday, right? <laughs> you know, no, but uh, like, how, how many outrageous as well. games can you expect in a row from those guys? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I uh, I have three nil as well. I don't. I don't. I think this is pretty cut and dry. Um, I think Aguero's definitely a doubt. He hobbled off in the last game, so uh,
1: cool. Bringing Gabriel Jesus right. Great. Gabriel Jesus sounds good.
0: Filthy in the last couple of games, so I I think he starts this game and I don't know. I think City. Yeah, I think City put on a whooping, just like you said, because. Gabriel Jesus, it's time for him to you know to start getting some starting minutes. The guy almost always comes in off the bench. I think he he does have something like twenty plus Premier League Premiersons, but like seventeen a bit off the bench. So they need to give him one or two more starts. Um,
1: I would agree with you if Sergio Aguero showed any signs of slowing down, but he hasn't. So um I, play I mean, him it's, great to, maybe. it's great to have this option. Yeah. Oh man, I loved it when Pep would do that in the first season. It was. He hasn't really done it that much since then. They've obviously gone on to win a bunch of trophies in the process, so you can kind of you don't have, you can't really blame him for that. But in the first season, we would play like 3-5-2 with uh, Aguero and uh, Jesus up top. That was that was scary to watch. Um, the the last game of midweek, Tottenham will host Crystal Palace in the grand opening of their new stadium. Uh, Andrew's got a two one win for Tottenham. I'm going three one. And Javier, you agree with Andrew two one Tottenham? Palace still have like a slight sniff of the relegation zone. Um I'd say they're I'm, safe. I think they're, they're
0: 6.2 nil I I forgot this was their first game at the new stadium. They're probably right? they're probably going to keep right. a clean
1: sheet and the refs are going to
0: favor them, so.
1: I don't think I don't think you can pick Tottenham to keep a clean sheet in any game right now. <laughs> uh you, well then again I also have Chelsea getting You're a clean right. sheet. Like so.
0: trippier and uh, yeah, they're way back they, against Zaha, and they've
1: just got that disease, dude. Alderweireld scoring own goals for for Tongan's tripping all over the place. Stevenson Sanchez doesn't even look as assured as he did when they first signed him. Um, yeah, you you mentioned Trippier and, and Rose. Trippier is having an absolute nightmare of a season. <laughs> um, I, yeah, it's 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 one that I can see Crystal Palace threatening a lot. Being wasteful as they usually are, maybe getting one a penalty or something like that, but I think Tottenham used this uh, this stadium. Pochettino said it said himself. They've got he's called it a six or seven game mini league from now until the end of the season, and like five of those games are at home because of the new stadium opening up. So uh, he likes their chances. I don't really, I don't really mind them either. In terms of turning it around, it's all laid out there for them to do it. They just have to go out and do it. And they've been in a slump for, I think, a little more than a month now. Wouldn't you say? When was their last like good run of form?
0: Uh, just in the Champions League, it's been the only reason that they haven't lost like seven straight games. It's basically just because they got those two wins in the Champions League. They were losing all the games in between. They've been kicked out mm-hmm. of all the cups, so. Yeah, I don't know. They've they've been pretty dreadful for the last two months. Just in the Champions League is the only way the place that you can really say like they got that really lucky draw against us where it should have been another loss. So it, it, there really hasn't A third been... third Arsenal
1: mention. Yeah,
0: there really hasn't been many many positive, you know, positive points for them to to point at. And ever since Kane's been back, it just feels like number one Son's just gone completely missing, which I. I said would happen. I thought that.
1: Son- well, he didn't start against Liverpool. To be fair, yeah,
0: but I just think that Son playing up top, they were winning games sometimes in ugly ways, but it was always him that was the catalyst, and they were winning game after game after game. And as soon as Kane came back, and okay, so what do you want them to focus- do, Javier?
1: Not start Kane? Yeah,
0: maybe. Maybe start Son no, dude, come on. like that's Kane. No, I don't know. Let's not be ridiculous know. here. No, I'm not being okay. ridiculous.
1: I don't Javier, think I'm you can't. Ridiculous. Javier, you can't just delete the two to three years or, of or relative Kane, or success. Or play Kane and
0: Son up top together. Like yeah, he's done that. They before. have been doing
1: that. They have done that. They have done that and still lost games. It's it's happened. Happened at yeah, Southampton. Yeah, I just think you
0: can't play Ericsson and Ali as well, which he's done. And it, it, like and then Sisoko. Okay, so you're saying pick
1: three of those four. The, pick the, pro- the problem of- is is
0: that they're too unbalanced. Like even when they have like they don't have Harry Winks in the team now. They just they don't have a way of like having a transition player. Sisoko is too much of a of like a you know dogged box to box converted type player that. You know, he doesn't have that transition in his game. He doesn't have the, the defensive prowess either to shield the back line consistently. So they really lack that that by himself, type of player. By himself.
1: Yeah. I think you need dimension, um, and especially with the way that back line's playing right now. Maybe, I mean, it's probably all interconnected. It's probably a confidence issue going right through the team that the back line don't feel like they're being shielded enough and feel too antsy when they're on the ball. Lloris has been a nervous wreck the last couple of games, uh, culminating in that terrible mistake against Liverpool. It's uh, There's definitely some confidence issues at Tottenham right now, and uh, a big win against a, a team in London will definitely help them get back on the right path, uh, especially going into that, that huge stretch of the Premier League season, but also that uh, Champions League quarter final with Manchester City that they'll face uh, in the coming weeks. So. That wraps it up for the previews for this uh, midweek. We'll be back with our uh, previews for the weekend on probably Thursday or Wednesday night going into Thursday. Uh, At the end of this week, Javier and Andrew are tied at the top of our score prediction table, both with 15. Andrew got four picks right this week, and Javier just uh, right behind him with three. But uh, the point goes to Andrew, and he ties it up. I'm sitting in third on uh, 13 points. Got a lot of work to do. But... uh, to get started now ain't no time like the present so uh javier thanks for coming back on the pod i appreciate it that was a long one there's a lot to get to this week uh everyone please go check us out on social media uh actually Andrew for andrew's uh, twitter and instagrams at asmos 92 for mine uh, at javier rev 9 for uh, his instagram and of course at ghost Goal pod on twitter and instagram if you're not already subscribed to the pod on iTunes, go ahead and, and do that. Please just do that. And if you're feeling really generous, go rate, review, comment on the podcast on iTunes. All of those, all of those mentions, all of those ratings and reviews, they help our exposure and help new listeners find the pod. So, uh, would really appreciate anyone that can go and leave any kind of, uh, uh, response: Whether it's funny, whether it's a period mark, it all helps. I appreciate it. Uh, Javier, thanks again one more time, and until next time. Bye-bye.